0: Good morning. Thank you for being with us this morning and thank you to our worship team for leading us to the throne once again this morning. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 will be our key text this morning. But I also want to encourage you to go ahead and mark in your Bibles Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis chapter 12, just get that loaded up, marked, and then flip over to Galatians 3. And that's, that's where we will be for the majority of our time here this morning. You know, this week I was reminded of a movie that I, that I used to love. I still love it to this day. It was a movie called Remember the Titans. Many of you are familiar with that movie that was made 20 years ago. That is hard to believe that Remember the Titans is 20 years old. It's a great movie. Many of you that are familiar with sports teams have been on a sports team. Many of you have seen that movie or at least seen clips of it. But the movie was, was a true story about a, a high school football team and a high school football coach in Virginia. In 1971, Coach Herman Boone, who led his high school football team to a 13-0 season where they won the state championship and they were runners-up for the national championship. And what's amazing about this story is is the circumstances that that Coach Boone was able to lead in in a very tumultuous time in the life of our nation and in, in his community as well. Coach Boone led this team, this high school team, uh, to great success. This was a team uh, at a school that had just recently been consolidated. Prior to the 1971 season, uh, the students that were uh, attending T.C. Williams High School had previously attended three Different high schools, so you had you, you you had traditions from other high schools. You had people that played at other high schools. They were all competing to play on this one football team. You had all of those uh, those uh, uh, rivalry issues, but on top of that, there were a lot of political and uh, ethnic issues related to what was going on in those days. It's hard to believe that there was a day not too many years ago when when if you were a, a, a white student you went probably to one school and if you were a black student you went to another school simply because of your skin tone. And, and so they had began to, uh, to, to integrate and so this school and the schools in the area had consolidated and you had this very diverse school, this very diverse football team struggling with rivalry issues struggling with political and, and, and cultural uh, tensions and one of the things that, that I, one of my favorite scenes from that movie is this scene when uh, when the coach takes the team to train. He takes them on a training trip and they're at Gettysburg College and and the coach wakes the team up early in the morning and he he begins to run them through the woods and after a grueling workout when the football players are just about to drop the coach stops them and Coach Boone tells them right where they are the place where they had run to. The coach informed them that they were standing on the battleground of Gettysburg where the coach says that 50,000 men died fighting the same fight that the coach says he says that we are still fighting today, that we're still fighting Ourselves and, and the coach gives this great line, this great challenge that I think is very relevant for us today. He says, if we don't come together right now on this hallowed ground, we too will be destroyed just like they were. You know, the truth is, is we are living in a world today that is greatly divided because of the influence of evil. I can't turn on the television, I can't look at the internet, at Facebook, at a news feed, at anything without seeing somebody's opinion about the things that are going on in this country. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but a lot of people tend to have a lot of different and varying opinions about what is going on. But here's the thing. For those of us that are in Christ, the opinion that we need to hear and the opinion that we need to listen to and understand is God's opinion. And we're going to get a glimpse at God's opinion on all of these things by looking at Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians 3, Paul writes to the churches in the region of Galatia, Galatia was not a city, it was a region. It was more like riding to the churches in a state or in a county. There were a lot of churches, multiple churches in that region, and Paul is writing to them. You see, what had happened is Paul had previously went there to the region of Galatia on his one of his missionary journeys, and he shared the gospel, and he planted churches. He built relationships. He 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 showed them how to assemble together as bodies of Christ, as a body, a local body of believers, and and he would plant these churches, and he would go on. But during the time that he was planting the churches, and 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 then especially after the time when he moved on to. Uh, to other missionary journeys, there were people that had, had come in and began presenting a different version of the gospel. Because the churches that were planted were planted on the gospel message. And so there are these people swooping in in, in presenting a different, an alternate form of the gospel. And so Paul writes this letter to the Christians in Galatia addressing these issues. And so as we look here at Galatians 3, I just want to focus in this morning on verses 27 and 28. And in so doing, we're going to see Paul remind the Galatians that they need not be divided by ethnicity, but instead those who are in Christ indeed are one in Christ. And so I want to invite you to join me here in Galatians 3, starting in verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, Heirs according to the promise. Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Help us, God, to understand what it means to be one in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to be one in Christ? The first thing that we see here is that it means that we are one body. We who are in Christ are one body. Paul says in verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. Now we didn't start at verse 26 because it was sort of finishing a thought of the previous passage. But I want you to understand that verse 27 comes right after this other amazing statement that Paul made when he said, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus what that tells us what that tells us is that the baptism that Paul is talking about here in verse 27 when he says for as many of you have been baptized into Christ that this baptism is not just water baptism it's not the baptism that you think of. When you hear the word baptism in most churches, you instantly think of the ceremonial baptism, the, the, uh, the ordinance of the church where you get into the baptismal tank or maybe you go out to a creek and you are immersed as a sign of your faith, but that's not what Paul is talking about. That is water baptism. Now, that could be a part of this, but what, what Paul really is referring to here is spiritual baptism, or what, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think that, that water baptism is the same as salvation. Others believe that baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is kind of a special anointing of sorts that happens after salvation. But Southern Baptists uh, tend to believe that, uh, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that happens at the point of salvation. You see, the, the, the word that's translated as baptize or baptism, that word is really a transliteration of a Greek word, and the Greek word is baptizo but baptizo doesn't just mean what we would say baptize the literal translation of baptizo is to immerse so when a person comes to god through faith in christ scripture tells us that they receive the holy spirit of god who's going to dwell in the heart of those who are in the faith in essence when a person is saved he or she is immersed in the work of Christ, immersed in the Holy Spirit of God that comes to live inside of us. And as a result of that faith in an outward symbolic ceremonial expression, a person who is trusted in Christ will proclaim their faith publicly and then will be immersed in water as a sign of their trust in God. And so I want you to hear me when I say this. Baptism is awesome. I love baptism. It's an amazing, sacred, holy ordinance of the church. And every believer who has trusted in Jesus Christ, every believer who has been changed by the blood of Christ, should be baptized. It is the first act of obedience for those who are in Christ. But simply going to a creek or simply getting up into the baptistry and being dunked, that in and of itself does not bring salvation. It is an outward sign of an inward commitment. Paul says those of you who have been been baptized, you've put on on Christ like a garment. He, He says those of you that are in faith, You've been saved through faith. You've been been spiritually baptized. You have put on Christ like a garment. He is is drawing for us a picture. And Just think about it like this. If you're in a hospital and you have on a white coat and a badge, and that badge says, Doctor So-and-So, whoever it is, it would be reasonable for people to assume that you are a doctor you're wearing the uniform of a doctor and in most cases if you wear the doctor's uniform it's because you are indeed a doctor the same thing would would, uh, would apply if you were a patient in the hospital and Somebody comes into your room and they're wearing that same gown that you have on. You know, that gown that everybody hates that wears uh, in the hospital that has the big hall in the back and all of those things. They've got the gown on and they come in and begin to advise you of your medical condition. They start talking about surgery. Uh, They look like, you know, they've been awake for 72 hours. Uh, You're not really sure where they came from. They're a little twitchy, okay? Uh, it would not be unreasonable for you to question whether or not that person was really a doctor or maybe indeed that was a patient from another part of the hospital that had wandered in that was confused. You see, it's easy to know who people are by the uniform that they wear. Paul says that your faith in Christ, otherwise known as baptism of the Holy Spirit, that happened when you came to Christ, that is what identifies you into the body of Christ. You are part of one body. He says something very similar to the Corinthians. Uh, He says, there is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part, but it has many parts. You see, if you are in Christ, you are one in Christ and you are one in the body of Christ. We are one body with many parts. Listen, that doesn't mean that we are all the same. I I mean, we're not all the same, right? We have differences. And it's okay to be different. But overall, you and I are to serve the same purpose, which is to bring glory to the God who has created us and the God who has saved us. If you're in Christ, you're part of the body of Christ. Both a local body. Many of you watching today are members of the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas. And so you're members of our local body. But if you are part of the body of Christ, you're not only a member of a local body, but you are a member of a global body. Body as well, a universal body, the body of Christ that unites all believers from all walks of life, from all over this world. And yes, we are different. Even in the United States, we look at the United States, it's what uh, historians and sociologists called the melting pot, this experiment where different people are brought together under one banner. People are different. There are different ethnicities. There are different genders. There are people that, 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 that live in different, with different social status. But here's the thing, and this is the beautiful thing, regardless of any of that, in the Kingdom of God we are brothers and sisters, part of the same body of believers. So what does it mean to be one in Christ, well, it means that we are one in body. But number two, it means that we are one nation. We are one nation. Verse 28, Paul says, For there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all, you are all, you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, we live We live in a world when, uh, and we live in a day when we hear the word nation, it's natural for us to think of a country that has borders and a government. We think about China or Mexico or Canada or Russia. We think about those countries when we say the word nation. And and, and a nation could be a country, but when the Bible uses the word nation, and the way we're using the word nation here this morning is to describe a people group. The word nation means people group. Paul teaches us that everyone who is in Christ is part of one nation, one people group. If you've been saved By the grace of God, that means that you have been adopted into the family of God, and you are one of His children. And it's your relationship in Christ that identifies you in the eyes of God. It means, friends, that there is level ground at the foot of the cross. There's level ground at the foot of the cross. You see, the kingdom of God and the work of God breaks down the walls of separation. That's what we see in Ephesians 2, isn't it? That He broke down the dividing wall. See, the truth is is that humanity divides people. But faith in Christ unites us by transcending race and gender and social status remember when Paul writes this to the Galatians he's he's addressing some of the false teachings that were being circulated in the region you remember Paul brought the message of the gospel and then after he left other people came in and even while he was there he had to fight against this people coming in preaching a different gospel Paul Preached that that you are saved through faith in Jesus. Whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, which basically means that you are ethnically not Jewish, you are a non-Jew, okay? Whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus offers salvation to you, and that salvation is received by those who come to God through faith in Jesus. Christ. That is the gospel that Paul preached. And then these other people come in right behind him and, and they said, well you know what this Paul guy is saying that you know, distrusting trusting Jesus, faith in Jesus that's all fine and good but first you have to be a Jew. Sure God can save you through faith in Jesus but only if you are first a Jew. They were teaching this to people who who lived in this region of Galatia who were mostly Gentile, non-Jewish in ethnicity. And in order to to, uh, be able to be eligible for this salvation that Paul taught, these other false teachers came in and taught that first they had to become a Jew. What this meant was that they had to convert to the Jewish religion that they had to observe the jewish dietary customs that they had to live under the old covenant that the uh, that the men had to mark themselves as jewish through a medical procedure called circumcision the, t- the people teaching these things were ethnically Jewish. These false teachers, they were Jewish in, in their uh, ethnicity and in their faith and they come in and, 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 and these people that taught these things, uh, these Jewish people in that day, they were under the false assumption. They had this misunderstanding of Scripture. They had this misunderstanding of the heart of God because they believed that the highest status that anybody could achieve, the highest uh, form of being blessed by God on this earth would be to, to be a free Jewish male. In fact, scholars tell us that in those days that Jewish men got up every morning and prayed a prayer similar to this. They would say, Lord, I thank you that I am not a Gentile. I thank you that I am not a woman. And I thank you that I am not a slave. You see, they couldn't wrap their minds around the idea that that, that Jesus would offer salvation to everybody. Paul says in Galatians, there's no other gospel. If you read chapter 1, you see that. He says that. Clear as day, there is no other gospel. If anyone preaches to you a different gospel, whether it be an angel or whether I come back and I have lost my mind and I tell you that I was mistaken and there's some other way to God but through Jesus and Jesus Christ alone, there's no other gospel. If anyone tells you anything any different, may he or she be cursed. Chapter 1 of Galatians, Paul emphasizes there's no other gospel. In chapter 3, he, he is explaining to us what that means. And what that means, friends, is that if you are in Christ, God does not distinguish you by ethnicity, by gender, or social status, that the love and grace of God transcends all of those things that we distinguish in humanity, God does not distinguish. There's one people group. There's one nation. Again, Paul doesn't say that we're all the same. He doesn't say that there are no differences, but he is saying that in the church, it just doesn't matter. That there is level ground at the foot of the cross. Are there differences? Sure. Absolutely. There are differences differences. Some folks have more melanin in their skin than others. But we have, regardless of of how how dark our skin is or light our skin is, uh, we all have the same blood coursing through our veins. We all are sons and daughters of Adam and Abraham. And I hope that you will join me in praying for our nation's leaders both today and and in the days ahead that God would send us men and women who could unite us under a banner that is not distinguished by gender or race or social status. My former pastor Bruce Chester was talking about this and And he said this, he said if there is anywhere on God's earth where people of different ethnic backgrounds can come together for the cause of Jesus Christ, it should be in the church. All of us are in need of Jesus. All of us are in need of the Holy Spirit of God. And praise God, Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. And it is Christ that unifies all of us who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And for those in Christ, we are one in Christ. We're one body. We are one nation. And number three, we are one in inheritance. We are one in inheritance. I don't know if that's grammatically correct or not, but we're going to go with that. I want you to look at verse 29. He says, And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds, heirs according to the promise. Read this, and and I would ask you, Hey, what do you think Paul's talking about here in verse 29? Many of you would assume that he's talking about the heavenly inheritance that awaits those who are in Christ. If I said, What is this inheritance? What are we heirs to? You would, you would probably say, well, I think this is talking about heaven. I think it's talking about that sweet Beulah land where God's promises are forever united with God's people. And, and praise God, we should joyfully await that day when we are reunited with Jesus and all those who are in Christ. But that's really not what Paul's talking about in this particular verse. You see, the inheritance that Paul is talking about, it's not an inheritance that you get when you die. It's like any other inheritance. It's something you get when somebody else dies, and they pass it down to you. It comes from the promise that God made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Remember I said to Mark, Genesis chapter 12, uh, we're going to go there, then we'll come back after that to Galatians. But I want to read to you uh, this promise that God made to A man in that day that was named Abram who would go on to become uh, the man known as Abraham uh, who would be a blessing to the world. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land where I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The inheritance that Paul's talking about in Galatians 3.28 is the promise that God would bless His people and that God would take His people and make His people a blessing to others. If you are in Christ, this is God's promise to you. This is part of your inheritance. That God says, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to others. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that's what Paul's talking about? Well, if you're in Galatians 3, you can look back to verse 6, and Paul explains this. He says in in Galatians 3, verse 6, he says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now, the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. You see, Abraham's blessing was passed from him all the way down to Jesus. And now it's passed from Jesus to you. If you are in Christ, you have been adopted into the family of God and you receive this inheritance from God. We who are in Christ are one in Christ. We're one body. We're one nation. And we are one in inheritance. And that inheritance, listen is to be blessed by God in order to bless others. And God's inheritance does not distinguish age, race, gender, or any other status other than are you or are you not in Christ? Believers in Christ, I want to ask you something. Today, in the wake of everything we've seen in the last few weeks, I want to ask you to recall in your mind and in your heart, how has God blessed you? How has God blessed you? How has God worked in your life? I want to ask you another question too. How is God working through you today to be a blessing to others? How's God working through you today to be a blessing to others? You remember remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. How is God using you to be a blessing to others in this day and in this time? because the world is hurting and the answer is Jesus and we are his people we are his ambassadors his representatives and we should seek to connect others to him maybe you're here with us today and the truth is you're not really sure where you stand with Christ listen I want you to know If that's you, if you have any questions, if you have any doubts, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt here this morning that there is a God in heaven who loves you. You are loved by God. No matter where you have been, what you have done, regardless of your background or any of those other dividing things, you are loved by God. He loves you and the Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. To bring you to God. If you're willing to repent of your sins, to trust in Him, to put your faith in Him, Scripture says that you can be reconciled to God. You can be born again, adopted into the family of God. And I would love to talk to you about that. I would love to walk you through that. I would love to read some scriptures with you and help you to understand what that means. And so if you have any doubts out there today, I want to encourage you to go to our, to our uh, website, pvfbc.org, right there on the homepage. Some of you are watching from the homepage right now. All you have to do is scroll up above this video and there is a response tab. You click on that. It will send a message to me. Let me know how I can pray for you. Let me know if I need to to connect with you, if I need to call you, if I need to email you, uh, how I can uh, have a conversation with you. Uh, And I would count it an honor to talk to you and pray with you about the things of God. God loves you. And Jesus died for you. You know, Pastor Max Lucado once wrote something that I think is very relevant for us today in the wake of so many things that we're seeing happening in our nation. And this has always stuck with me. I think I've shared it with you before, but I want to share it with you again. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had, had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. See, our greatest need has always been and will always be Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus there is forgiveness of sin. In Jesus there is peace. And in Christ Jesus, we are one. Let's pray.